0: Welcome into the official we got a great show for you this week as usual, but this week we wanted to get the people involved all of our followers all of our listeners and watchers in the discord at campus Canton. Uh, we wanted to ask what, what questions do you have about this class well how would you like us to you know answer the the burning things that you think about with the 2024 class so we're doing a mailbag, and um, you will have to excuse my raspy voice I, I'm still getting over a little something. but. Uh, it should be. It should be great. We've got some good questions on deck. Of course, at the end, stay for the end. We'll talk about uh, some recent commitments that may impact various uh, football teams around the country. So, with that being said, this is the official. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, thanks for being with me tonight. And uh, we're going to do a mailbag show. I mean, without we got a lot of questions to answer. I'm not sure we need too much more introduction. We're going to hear from the people and try to answer their questions about the 2024 class. So first on the list is going to be a question from Andrew DeBoer. He says, are we getting running back fatigue? And he says, you know, we've had so many, in quotes, perfect running backs. Recently, they were starting to fade guys that are merely good and not generational and great. He cites Saquon, uh, JT, Brees, Bijan Robinson. I would say that, like, I'm not sure JT and Brees were thought of as perfect running backs coming into the NFL. I mean, those guys were second round picks. There was plenty of argument on Twitter if they were even good, to be honest with you. So I think it's a little revisionist to look back and say these guys were all perfect prospects. What do you think? I mean, yeah, that's
1: exactly why I have down. I, I was really high on John Taylor coming to the NFL, but especially looking at you guys from a recruiting perspective, uh, Bijan was the only guy that was considered like a, you know, he was the only one that was the running back in his class. None of the other guys were even, you know, top three on 24-7 that, that year. So um, I, I don't think those are good examples at least. And uh, I, frankly, it really just comes down to the positional value, you know, in terms of NFL. And also I think a lot of, good high end running back prospects are going and playing other positions now. So I Mm. think the, the position as a whole is getting, uh, you know, lowered a bit.
0: Diluted. David, do you think we're, are we undervaluing the good players if they're not elite?
2: I think if you hang out on Twitter a little too much things, there's a lot of
0: negativity around, around and
2: like, you know, we overanalyze everything. I think, um, I think you got to kind of focus on what a running back can do, and, and and you know what he can bring to a team. I think um, the NFL is becoming more of a passing league, and so there's not as many bell cows. and And frankly, it's just hard to find big, athletic running backs that have a three down skill set in general. So it's just like there's going to be knocks on a lot of guys. There's not going to be a lot of really clean profiles. That's just how it works. Um, so you just have to accept that there's just going to be a lot of players are going to have flaws, and that's the way it is, and you're going to have to find a balance.
0: Yeah, and I you know, I really try to take every player in every class you know, kind of with a clean slate, uh, objectively, not compared to a previous class necessarily or anything like that. And, you know, I think the 2023 class, we liked a few guys. I mean, Cedric Baxter, pretty excited about him. Justice Haynes looks fantastic. He's already doing stuff in practice. Um, I think 2024 – I don't know if this question came out because we have dogged the 2024 running back class. Uh, it may just not be good. I mean, I'm not sure. I don't feel uh, like I'm just uh, only grading guys good if they match Saquon Barkley. I think it just might be a tough position for the class and that happens. So I would say to Andrew, ask uh, answer Andrew, I personally don't think we're having running back fatigue. I think um, we have gotten about one great running back prospect per class or so over the last, you know, for rookie classes, cause he was comparing to NFL. So like, you know, the last five or six years, there's four high, high end running backs. It's about right. You don't get one every year, maybe every other. It's about right. I mean, I, I don't think, uh, I think, you know, and, in the recruiting sense, the same thing. I mean, 24 just could be a down running back class. And I think that's the end of the story. All right, moving on. Another one of our <clears throat> Discord members named Back to Back to Beck, referencing the Georgia quarterback who's probably going to take over uh, Carson Beck. I thought that was a pretty clever name. He asked me particularly today, Why do you hate Don Travis Braswell? Uh, I'll just answer this briefly. I don't hate the guy. Uh, he was a mid tier three for me, and he got dinged because there was almost no evidence of, of past game work. He may be able to do it. I can't evaluate if I can't see it, if he's not asked to do it. So I don't guess. I, I just give him lower marks there. And then I did think he was a little bit, mm, you know, chicken with his head cut off, running around sometimes. I, I'm not sure there was a lot of decision making that I thought was uh, really good. He, he was able to use his athleticism and size to move around and, and make things happen. I question if that style is going to work at South Carolina in the SEC. Maybe it will. Um, I just had to give him some lower marks on like, I think it was like vision footwork, uh, body control. Cause he just kind of was all over the place, uh, which was very fun to watch when it turns into a 75 yard touchdown, but it could very well turn into a seven yard loss in the sec. So, um, I don't hate him. I think he's fun. I know Matt really likes him. Um, um, I just, there were some concerns for translation of that game. He also has a few other questions I'll throw to you guys. Um, he was interested in knowing more about like <clears throat> how we break down film and had a good idea. Maybe in the future, we'll do like a full like film session show, which we haven't really done where we really watch maybe a whole game or parts of a game and just like get into the nitty gritty. But for today, to kind of address the question, I was going to throw it to you guys. You know, how do you grade? There's a ca- We do have a sheet. <laughs> we have categories. Each category has a total number that you grade out of. Um, and so this is going to be just one part of the running back criteria uh, and four sections. And I was going to throw it to you and say, well, how, what do you look for? And those four things are footwork, contact balance, vision, and change of direction. So Matt, you can go first. Can you be specific as to things you are looking for that would give cause a good grade or a bad grade in those areas?
1: Yeah. So I think uh, change of direction and contact balance are, you know, Pretty straightforward. That's just something you could see, and most of all fans just, you know, they know. But uh, footwork and vision, I think they're a bit more intricate and a bit more subjective depending on who you talk to. Uh, for me, for footwork, I'm looking for, I think the two definitely tie in very closely to vision and footwork. For me, footwork is mostly uh, in the box stuff, how they maneuver around the line, subtle movements to set up their blocks, uh, the angles that they're taking uh, to, you know, get around certain blocks and uh, stay away from defenders. Uh, and, you know, just those subtle, subtle movements. I'm not talking about hard cuts and jukes in the open field. That's you know, change of direction to me. Um, and then vision is you know uh, how they're able to navigate outside of the designed play. So you know, if a guy's just running a straight line, uh, just straight up the gut, and they don't have to you know maneuver around any other players or anything, I'm not going to give them you know high marks in that area more than likely. They have to show they can you know, adapt to a lane being closed off. And then, you know, having to maneuver around somebody showing off that footwork and then, you know, flipping the field potentially.
0: And that's probably where full game charting really comes into play, because highlights, you're never going to see a guy just shut down the lane and run into the back of his O-lineman. You'd probably have to watch a whole game to see that happening. Um, All right, David, footwork, contact balance, vision, change of direction, anything you'd add or subtract from uh, what Matt said.
2: Um, I would echo all that, but I would, yeah, with footwork, I'm just looking honestly, just for like quick active feet. It's, you know, I think ground contact time is one thing I kind of look at. It's not something I I measure or anything. It's just like, you know, how, how, like, is he kind of, um, is he light on his feet? Basically, you don't really want heavy footed running backs and really any position. So, um, I think that's just kind of a, a feel thing. Something I look at. Contact balance. I think it's like a couple different things, like indir- indirect and direct contact.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, indirect he's
2: like making subtle movements. Maybe a guy's hitting you from the side. Um, you know, can he can he keep his balance? Can he can he stay on his feet? Direct balance. You know, direct contact is maybe a little more impressive. You don't want it. You don't want to take direct contact ever. You want to be a little savvier to avoid that. But when you do, like, can you take a big time hit and, and stay in your feet? That's always impressive. And I kind of gauge, like, um, you know, how big is the defender? How hard did he really hit him? Did he have, like, a full head of steam? Stuff like that. Uh, so I'm looking at that. And then kind of looking at pad level in general with contact balance. Like, um, you know, like, is he taking a blow? And he's kind of, like, very upright. And if he can do that and then be coached to, like, improve his pad level, that's something to think about. And then, like, yeah, like he talks about with Vision, it's just, like, Vision, I, I struggle with it, like like with highlights, like you really, I feel like you have to watch like a full game, go on YouTube, go on NFHS, go find a full game and, and get a better feel for it. But yeah, I mean, honestly, just like consistently bouncing outside when it's unnecessary, running into your own line, that's probably not good. And then like, you know, things to do is like reading leverage of your, of your blockers, like finding cutback lanes, um, manipulating linebackers and safeties with like your eye movements and, and like just subtle movements in general. And I just think having a general awareness of where everyone is on the field, basically. Um, And then change of direction. Uh, Alfred, you kind of taught me this one. And that's that's, like the arm waving thing that we talk about (laughs) Um, that kind of goes with body control too. And uh, you know, it's, I've heard it called ruddering. Like, mm. like kind of using your arm as a rudder to turn, like to turn the corner and stuff. So that's like kind of like, that's a little bit of a red flag. I feel like it's just not efficient movement. I think, I think, you know, having wasted movement in general is just not, so like having to gather, like gather yourself with like multiple steps when you're kind of redirecting and stuff. Like you just want to look for a guy that can kind of plant his foot and just, you know, burst the other way. So those are just, that's just kind of my overview of all those, of what I'm looking for.
0: Yeah, good stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm with you on all those things. I think uh, the ground contact is very interesting. I think when you said that, I was like, I do look for that, but I, I didn't know what to call it. So that that's pretty cool in terms of, you know, one guy, if you go back and look at Trevion Henderson's high school tape, he was a guy like footwork would have been five out of five. I mean, and it's because when you watch him, he's so choppy, he's so decisive. And, and it looks like his feet are never really even fully on the ground. Everything is like he's just floating around and then like pinpoint moving around. And so his change of direction and footwork to me was excellent, excellent. So if you want a guy who's like perfect in those categories and you're like, I don't know what it looks like. I thought Trevion Henderson's high school tape was fantastic in that aspect. Um, contact balance, a lot of it is falling forward. Even if you get tackled, are you like, are you maintaining yourself forward? <clears throat> Does it take two or three guys? more often than not to bring you down um i mean falling forward is always really good even at the college level if you're scouting rookies for the nfl matt waldman talks about this i believe uh quite a bit are you always getting you know two or three extra yards just because you have a state a good base and you're moving forward you don't get knocked back as much as you know other guys uh vision like i feel like you david I struggle with vision. I mean, Matt was an offensive lineman, so he knows what these plays are supposed to do. He knows what some guard is supposed to be doing. I don't necessarily have that. I I try to read. I try to learn. Um, It's hard for me to understand exactly what an entire play is supposed to be doing. So that's a struggle for me. Um, I think a surrogate a little bit uh, is just do you make a decisive movement Uh, It's kind of in processing in in, under the umbrella of processing. Are you, you know, can I see some patience and then decision uh, rather than just like, for instance, Braswell got low marks for me because he never seemed to know exactly what was supposed to happen, but he made it work because he was athletic and big, but he never seemed to like make a decision. He just kind of like sputtered around until he he found a hole. So I, I didn't like that so much. Um, These are all subjective, or a lot of these are, and so you know we try to put numbers to it uh, at Campus to Canton, but it is difficult sometimes. With that being said, just to mention Campus to Canton again, this is our parent website. Uh, We are a show if you're watching on YouTube, and we love all brands of fantasy football. Campus to Canton specifically caters to those who want to play the college side and the NFL side. You own an entire college fantasy team. And those players then migrate to your NFL dynasty roster once they graduate or move on to the NFL. It is one of the most immersive, exciting brands of fantasy football that exists. CampusCanton.com, to my knowledge, is still really the only place you can go to get this type of specific content in addition to college fantasy content specific to people who play that and even NFL content and Devi specific to people who play those types of leagues. Everything you want is at CampusCanton.com. You've got uh, rankings, of course, tools, data analysis tools, uh, depending on what package you sign up for, as low as 2 dollars a month. Go check it out, and we will move on to a few more questions here. So what is your type, David? We know I've got a wide receiver type that's been established. Um, I think sometimes <clears throat> this is a, a little bit of a dirty word because it makes you like pigeonhole players and, and not evaluate new guys and just write people off very quickly. I can say, yes, I do have a type on some of these guys, but do you guys have a type, Matt and David, and why? Like, what is it, and why is that your type? Like, there's got to be a reason. It's not just picked out of thin air. So, Matt, you go first. You can pick one position or all of them, whatever you want to talk about.
1: Uh, well, I would say I only have a type at one position. Now, I've kind of gotten rid of my type at wide receiver because over the years it's proven not to be uh Big wide receiver correct. guy. Yeah. yeah. So – Running backs, at least, I think, you know, just looking at size and speed and production are all very translatable. You know, going from high school to college and then college to NFL, they all, you know, there's a good amount of correlation there. Whereas, you know, wide receiver, quarterback, things like that just aren't going to cut it. You need much more in depth analysis. And uh, you obviously do need in depth analysis of running back, too, but those things can take you further at that position than others. So I I will rely on it more uh, at running back for sure.
0: I think that's totally fair. How about you, David? How would you answer some of these questions?
2: Yeah, I think we all have our biases. It's kind of impossible not to, honestly, but, and I think we all try to kind of balance our evaluations in general, but there's definitely like, like with quarterbacks, I'm definitely looking for mobility. Um, and you know, like an NFL caliber arm, I suppose. So those are like the attributes that stand out. Like I'm looking for those things typically, um, it doesn't have to be that way I suppose for me to like somebody it's not like I have like thresholds or anything really um with running backs just like big and fast is just a like, good starting point I suppose uh, <laughs> you know like one thing I've noticed like guys that are like sub 200 pounds and like and are their max mile per hour is like slower than 20 miles per hour I'm I'm I have to be pretty open-minded about those players like there's a there, like there, there's definitely going to be outliers like like Mo Ibrahim was the guy that came to my mind where he's just like coming out of high school he was like 5'9 180 and he's not fast at all but like his contact like you just have to like make up for it in other areas like you have to be like like relatively special in in other areas I feel like to make up for it at times like Uh, you know, he actually has pretty good power for his size and his contact bounce is like really, really good. So like he was a stud in, 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 uh, college, but, um, yeah, generally looking for, for running backs that are going to be over 200, over 200 pounds and can hit 21 miles per hour. And then for, uh, receivers, I just, I've really gravitated more towards guys that are, that are technical and that are more refined, um, and if they're not, then they have to be really freaky as athletes. And it's always good to have um, special teams to, to boot. I feel like maybe you can like last a little longer and maybe get more of a chance to develop as a player um, if you can contribute on
0: special teams.
2: That's kind of what I'm – I guess those yeah. are my
0: uh, types. 100% agree with you on the wide receiver and special teams, and I think that's also something that translates from uh, college to NFL, especially when you're talking about later-round picks – uh that last and end up giving you a fantasy season even one or two kind of wide receiver two seasons they're almost all i've tracked it for a few years it's almost all guys who play special teams i agree david it may be something in their athletic profile but i think maybe more than that it's as simple as they stick around on a roster long enough to develop and earn the trust of coaches and wind up you know having a wide receiver two season but it but their special teams is what just kept kept them around. I mean, that's it. They can be used in multiple ways. They are value to a roster. Um, so it's not even necessarily an athletic talent. It's just like they can fill a role that's not a starting wide receiver, so they hang around. Um so I, I think it's a bit of a cheat code. People fall in love with like X type wide receivers picked late and they're like, This guy's gonna be a dude, like A.T. Perry, for example. I honestly I couldn't care one i couldn 't care anything about a t Perry uh, if he didn 't get at least day two draft capital because those guys just do not last um, with zero special teams contribution okay and then I will address wide receiver for me it 's been said I like the small shifty guys, which honestly I used to be a big wide receiver guy myself um, it 's trans it 's just shifted it 's because of the guys we 're seeing drafted in the first round now which, you know the, the types of players we 're seeing uh, produce I agree that um, If they're big X types, they do need to be freaky a la Cordell Russell last year. I ended up bumping him up quite a bit. But if they're kind of just like a big contested catch guy that looks great in high school but doesn't do a whole lot else, even if they're rated highly, I'm probably not going to have them very high myself. One guy who could make me look foolish this year is Carnell Tate, and we will see what happens there. Um, All right, moving on, we're maybe a little behind schedule, so a little more rapid fire perhaps. Felix, our co-founder, um, wanted us to talk about our biggest hit and our biggest disappointment since we've been doing this. Probably, I guess we started at the 2021 class, 22, 23, and 24. I think we did some in the 2021 class. The full We had a full analysis of 22 and 23, um, and now we're into 24. So, David, back to you. What's your biggest hit, you think, over the last few years since we've been doing this?
2: I didn't do 2021, so I can't really speak of that class. 2022, I think the jury's still out on a lot of uh, a lot of the QBs and, and running backs and such. I think wide receiver. I think we have a better idea, just given the year one zero theory. Right. Uh, so I'll just be. I think a lot of my hits, I suppose, in that class were relatively obvious. I, you know, I don't have any like amazing hits. As far as wide receiver goes, I think a lot of the guys, it's weird though. Cause we're in a little bit of a cocoon. So it's like, I don't know, like Matt, we all love Matthew golden, but he's actually pretty low on the services. So it's like,
0: yeah, it counts.
2: You know, like all these dudes like Barry Brown, like Evan yep. Stewart, they're all relatively obvious. So I don't know. I, I don't have some amazing
0: hit to this point. I'll be honest. <laughs> all right, Matt, you want one you want to call yourself out on?
1: Uh, well, I also didn't really start until 2022, but I was very high on Quinshawn Judkins. Uh, I, I will give most credit that to recruiting analytics. I think they put everybody onto him, and then you know the people happen to check him out, end up liking him. Uh, but yeah, I was very high on him. And uh, biggest miss up until this point. Wait, wait, probably... we'll do that next. Oh, oh okay. We'll do that next. Never mind. All right, I'll just stick with Judkins then.
0: Yeah, just all the, oh, just good news for right now. Um, biggest hit for me. I think it was Damian Martinez. I found him, I, when I mentioned him, even in the group Slack last year, you know, kind of got lukewarm results at, over time. He started to show up in spring. People started hearing a little bit more about him. And I think by the end of the draft season, he was being drafted in some freshman drafts at the end. I was pretty high on him right away and I have him in every single league and he put up a thousand total yards as, as a true freshman, you know, in the pack 12. So that's pretty nice from a three-star guy that was almost undrafted in a lot of places. Um, and then, so yeah, now we'll go to disappointment. Matt obviously has one on the tip of his tongue so he can do that. And then David, and then I'll go.
1: So actually I have two. Uh, uh, very uh, humble. The big, big one being Adam Randall. Um, I still don't think it was bad process on my part. I really think the ACL kind of messed things up, and now apparently added a ton of weight. So uh, I'm not super hopeful at this point uh, about you he know. He his... still
0: avoided year one zero though.
1: He did, but he didn't look great doing
0: it. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he
1: he looked like a different player to me. So that that's one that I'll be pretty disappointed if he you know doesn't turn things around. And then the other in. You know, in this class already, the 2023 class, Keon Brown, we found out yesterday, uh, will not be enrolling at Oklahoma. Instead, he'll be going to Garden City Community College, which is also quite disappointing. So, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean he's a bust, but uh, we'll have to wait two years to see if he's anything. So, uh, definitely not great. Wish I could have foreseen that, but there's, I don't think there's anything I could really... Do about that one either?
0: <laughs> if it's just grades, which I would imagine, or qualifying, that's not really your guess, fault. So... But we'll see, David. See, this is the section where I thrive here. I'm pretty <laughs> hard
2: on myself. I'm pretty hard on myself. We just, just had one, one bust. Oh, just one. Oh, okay. Uh, probably just not being high enough on Teshro McMillan. I look looking back on it in retrospect, he had a really good production profile, and that's something I didn't, I wasn't looking at too closely. But like, he had a uh, 88 for 1302 and 18 TDs against uh, 73.3 SOS in the Trinity League, which is essentially like the SEC in mm. California. It's just like he had not two good games against Matter Day. Um, anyways, that was too, probably too low. There's other ones like, you know. Chris Marshall I'm going to miss on now because he's a, he's a bozo and then yeah, Randall. There is some yeah. signs on Randall with some of his biomechanics, but whatever, I'll keep it brief. So go ahead. Alfred.
0: Yeah. Randall's one for me. I, I I struggled to just totally write him off because he, he at least avoided year one zero. Maybe he heals up and, and gets some spring back in his step, but he's definitely on uh, he I'm concerned because I think Antonio Williams is the number one there going into this year probably. And so, um, you know, I yeah, I agree. Um, but I think even worse than Adam Randall for me, and I was way on an island on this guy. more set I had him like top three, I think. Um, I did love the tape. He's obviously kind of a bozo like Marshall. Um, I believe he already got arrested. He was a year one zero and got an arrest. I was joking with Austin the other day, like year one zero plus arrest has got to be one of the worst equations um that you can have. So, um, Yeah, I'm pretty much thinking that denial on Morissette ain't going to be a thing, and that's a bummer because I had him pretty high. But uh, sometimes you just – I mean, his year 10 I don't think was related to attitude or anything. I think he just maybe wasn't good enough. So um, anyway, we'll see. All right, so I'm going to skip the next section because I think we'll probably end up doing shows kind of all around it. It was like highly rated guys who will bust and lowly rated guys who might pop. We'll probably do a lot of that type of content, and then at the end, I'm gonna skip to competition. There was a question, and this should be easy to quickly answer. I'll let Matt do it because he kind of came up with the formula, I believe. How do we judge competition, or if David did, I know David already mentioned strength of schedule earlier um, in one of his answers. How do we judge competition? Like, how do you judge if a guy's like in the middle of nowhere, Virginia, versus a high school Texas high school recruit?
1: Well, I was just saying, no, I did not uh, create the formula. It's a uh, totally MaxPreps' their strength of uh, service. It's uh, pretty much the only metric out there. They'll cover you know pretty much every high school in their approximate you know competition level. I wouldn't say it's perfect, but it, like I said, it's the only thing you have to uh, fairly judge these schools and uh, you know who they're playing against and how good they are.
0: Yeah. And we've used that. I mean, it's helpful. We did plug it in. We found that it was helpful, I think, uh, in our model. And so it is part of the evaluation process there. So uh, good find anyway, even if it was max preps numbers, it's still uh, good to uncover that stone. All right. That does it for the mailbag. We got a few minutes here. <clears throat> I think we can rapid fire through some of these um, commitments this week. Michael van Buren, a four-star QB going to Oregon. He's from all the way on the East coast. I think like Washington DC or some somewhere in Maryland, Maryland or something. Um, you know, add in anything you want. I, he's sub six feet, which isn't the end of the world. He's very athletic, so he can definitely run around, make plays. He's, he's, he's uh, I really like his burst. Um, the arm, to me, was a little questionable. Like, I'm not sure it's like a real, really big gun. But uh, I think he can be a very fun quarterback, and I think at least CFF, uh, a lot of upside with the athleticism. Do you guys see an NFL arm on this guy, or was I, was I uh, wrong in my assessment?
1: I think he has a decent arm. uh I think the bigger issue is he, he may be athletic but he has no rushing production and his accuracy is bad uh, I think he was like a you know under fifty five percent uh completion rate just generally I don't think he was super accurate didn't get a eleven invite uh going to oregon I think I like Novicide more than him so not not a good outlook in my opinion
2: okay Anything yeah twenty four seven had i looked all over and then I found out that they put his stats on the website and it said he only had 10 carries for 125 yards, which given up, you know, he does look athletic. I don't know. He doesn't seems low. Yeah. That's a good yards per carry. I don't know why he didn't run it. Maybe he'll run more this year. We'll see.
0: All right. uh, Next guy, Tyler Cherry, who's actually, I think a four-star composite signing with, or, you know, committing to Duke. I'm going to use one of Dave's terms. Big old pocket passer is what I see on this guy. I wasn't that impressed. I mean, he's just – I don't know why he's a four-star, honestly. Maybe he showed up at camp. You guys have any thoughts on him? I mean, I watched him this week. I was just kind of like, whatever. No? Okay. No. All right, right Jaden, Jaden Baugh, he's an athlete going to uh, – committing to Arkansas – Uh, It looks like he's going to play running back. I was kind of impressed. He's a big, thick guy. He looks bigger, honestly, on tape than he's listed at six, I think like six feet or six, one, two, ten. He looks bigger. He looks really thick. Kind of a one-cut runner with some burst. He had a lot of receiving on his tape, which I love, of course, especially at that size, which kind of seems to be the way Arkansas goes lately. I mean, they've they've, – I mean, starting with Rocket Sanders – A.J. Green, Rashad Dubinyan was another one who like had receiving all over his tape. So they're just stacking their running back room with these hybrid guys, which I love. And uh, we just need some of them to start popping uh, after Rocket Sanders goes to the NFL. Any other thoughts on Ball? I thought he was kind of interesting. I hadn't watched him before.
1: I don't have anything nice to say.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. He's slow, right? Is he slow? Did you get him at MPH? I,
1: I tried to get it, but it wasn't hitting 20.
0: No, oh, it wasn't even hitting 20. Okay, well, I, I was, he looked okay to me, but if he's not hitting 20, then that's that's not good. All right, um, Dylan Gresham, right, uh, four-star, seems to have a heck of a lot of speed. Uh, I thought he ruddered a lot, as David mentioned before. Um, he's just kind of herky-jerky sometimes with his movements, but he's probably a slot-type guy. What do you guys think of pairing him with Michael Van Buren for this 2024 class? Is Oregon building a Death Star or not really?
1: I mean, I do actually like him. I, I don't love Oregon as a landing spot because I think they've got some guys in that are better than him. Uh, super productive receiver though, d- playing you know kind of middle tier competition in California. But I think you know well over a thousand yards. One of the most pro- 2000, I think over two thousand. Yeah, year. one of the most pr- productive receivers in the country. Yeah. Uh, moves pretty well. Uh, you know, kind of bursty, dynamic guy down the field threat. Uh, but probably not. You know, someone I'm be super super high. I'm mean, like a mid tier three guy.
0: Sounds about right. Um, and then David, this is what you first introduced me to the term about quarterbacks, Cutter Bowley. What do you think of him going to Kentucky? But a four star, so it's nice them getting a four star QB. I mean, that's gotta be exciting for the Wildcats.
2: Yep, yeah, another big old pocket passer. Um <laughs> i love that. I don't know
0: why.
2: It just means he's you know, he's tall, he's got good stature and he doesn't have a lot of mobility, which you know. Obviously, I talked about my types. It's just a little off-putting for me. But you know, a lot of a lot of big schools are offering him. I mean, he has an Alabama offer. So he was meant to be in the 2025 class, reclassified to 2024. He is not. He's not like young. He's, this isn't like an Austin Max situation where he's like freaking 16 years old or whatever. Like he's he's age appropriate for the 2024 class. Mm. Um, but you know what? It's it's fine for Kentucky. He's got it. Any any quarterback that's like big and has a big arm, like they're gonna get big offers usually. Yeah, that's kind of what we're looking at. Like his tape, his tape didn't wow me honestly, but still a good <laughs> yeah. for him, I suppose.
0: I mean, I thought it was fine. But if you're Kentucky, you're not gonna you're not gonna be mad about it. All right, so yeah, those are our commitments, and uh, that was a fun show. We should do more mailbags. I thought that was cool. Um, Thanks, guys. We will see you all next week with another episode of The Official.